Welcome back, Sam Marcus, and this is a new episode of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Gage Sutton, here with my co-host, Amanda Geyer and Deshaun Hartley. Guys, how are y'all doing today? I'm great. Just, you know, just count down the days till we're back in San Marcus, but doing great. I'm great. Uh, uh, it's very early for me. I don't know why. People are going <laughs> to laugh and probably say this is not early, but it's pretty early for me. Um, considering there's nothing to do so but I'm oh. doing good, doing good. <laughs> dude I'm in the same boat man uh this uh, 11 o'clock start time is uh a little difficult for some of us and I'm in the same boat bro so no judgment here I have it for every day <laughs> I don't know how you do that but I've been for like the past like five hours already <laughs> Well, anyways, guys, there's a lot to talk about in terms of San Marcos high school sports, Texas State sports, and, um, you know, the new national sports or the national sports came back. And uh, there are a lot of storylines to talk about there, uh, especially the NBA. I know we're all NBA fans here, so we'll get to that stuff later. But um, in this first segment, I want to talk about San Marcos high school. And they've been doing some things over the offseason that um, are pretty big, um, starting with football. Uh, they got a new coach, and I know this has been a topic of discussion. We've done interviews with him and talked to him before, Coach John Walsh. Uh, and, I mean, talk about a big signing for San Marcos High School. He's a two-time state champion in the state of Texas, and now he's coming to an organization that had a huge in, like, huge jump with Coach Soto. So, uh, Amanda, what do you think of this signing for San Marcos? I'm excited for him. I had, I've talked to him before just on Zoom calls and stuff, and he was just ready to get in there and get started. You know, he moved his family to San Marcos right away. He's, uh, he's just super excited. He just talked about how he's just like making his team tough. Um, he's going to, he's coming off of some state championships um, with Denton Geyer. So that's pretty, a big, obviously a big jump is bringing his techniques that he used to get those championships into San Marcos. So I'm pretty excited to see what he does this season. Yeah, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see um, what this team can do in terms of the Coach Walsh signing. Um, I think it was a great signing for San Marcos because of uh, losing Coach Soto to my alma mater in Johnson High School. Um, but I, I think this is a great signing, and not only is it great, but he got to bring in a couple of people from his staff um, that he's familiar with, and like Coach Nash. And then obviously there's people – uh, that are still on here on the staff, like Coach Strunk, um, who he gets to work with this season. And it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with um, this group of talented kids. You know, he has some talent on both sides of the ball. So I think it's a really good signing. And it's going to be interesting to see what they can do um, with this talent of kids on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. And as a few people who have kept up with San Marcos High School as of late and the past few years, um, during the spring, we found out that they were going to be switching districts, too. So uh, that'll provide a new challenge against uh, different teams. I think they're going to be playing Austin-Westlake and, like, Travis, like, some tough schools like that. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do against those Texas powerhouses. But let's get into it a little broader. Amanda, do you have predictions for this team? Um, I think definitely with this uh, new um, district, I think they will have a better record than they did the past couple seasons. Um, those past, the last district they were in, they were playing some pretty tough teams. 
Um, but this new district, I feel like, yes, there will be some competition and there will be some losses. And I'm thinking mainly just like Westlake and Lake Travis. Those are obviously some of the harder teams that they're going to be playing just because Westlake has state championships like Travis does as well. It's just, it's just like, they're, those teams are obvious, like you said, powerhouses, but I think they will also have a lot of wins as well, I think more than last year. Um, I'm thinking wins against like Hayes um, and against Del Valley and Bowie possibly. And then they are playing my alma mater as well this year, Cedar Ridge. Um, and Cedar Ridge has been a powerhouse for the past couple of years. They didn't make it like very far the past two years, but my senior year, they made it to the semifinals. Um, so they have Sam Robinson. He's been there for a couple of years now. So I think that could kind of be, it could go either way for that game. Um, just cause they're losing a lot of seniors this year at Cedar Ridge. So I think they could possibly come out with a win for that game for the last game of the year. So. Uh, it's definitely, um, uh, going to be a challenge. I'm not going to say, uh, switching districts made it any easier. Obviously last year you had Judson. Steele, Clemens, you know, teams like that who are who are pretty good. But in this district, you got Westlake and Lake Travis, like Amanda said, who and Westlake won um state last year and they beat Guy <laughs> twenty-four to zero. So uh it, it's it's gonna be cool to kind of see coach try to come back and redeem himself against some of these teams. Uh just looking at some of the players who are coming back um for Westlake, they have Zane Myers, who's in a who's in a thousand yard rusher. 8.7 yards per carry, which is absurd, and 14 touchdowns last season, and he's committed to Yale. Also had offers from Lamar and Air Force, so he returns. And then they, they do like to do a lot of running back by committee, and they also have, I don't know how to say uh, his last name, but his name is Gray Knackfor, and he had 80, 83 carries for 6.6 .6 yards per carry and nine touchdowns last season. So Westlake still returns a lot of their running backs, um, looking at it, I think they're losing their starting quarterback. So that's going to be tough. And then Lake Travis also, um, they're returning a, a stud running back also in Weston Steffens, who had 1,000 yards again. And he had six 100-yard six rushing games and six multi-touchdown rushing games. So it, it's going to be tough for this team to come out here. Um, in terms of predictions, if they can win some of these middle of the pack games, like Amanda was talking about, the Dell Valleys and, and things of that sort, uh, they could find themselves right there uh, in, in fighting for a playoff spot. And it's going to depend on what they can do against some of those teams um, during the season. If they can find a rhythm uh, yeah. halfway through the season, maybe beat some of these teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember uh, going back to my glory days when I played high school football. Uh, my senior year, we had to play against Austin Lake Travis, and uh, that was the team that Garrett Wilson, Ohio State wide receiver, is on, and, and they were just so good. So um, the, the San Marcos High School, man, they got, they got a challenge up ahead, but I think uh, they're up for the challenge with a new coach and a very talented team. But onto the other San Marcos High School team that we cover at the moment is uh, the basketball team. And uh, there have been some pretty big things coming up for uh, two of the young guys on that team. Uh, let's start with Malik Presley. Deshaun, what, are you been hear what have you been hearing about Malik? So Malik, uh, throughout the AAU season, and AAU is usually where you get your offers from. Um, that I definitely would know that from experience. But you get, you get your offers playing AAU against tough competition. Um, in school ball, usually there's about maybe one or two good players on a team. 
And then you might find three on a state championship team, but in AAU, usually there's five dogs out there who can just play. And Malik is going out there playing against them at a very, very young age. Obviously last year uh, in the district that they were in, he played against some tough competition at a young age. And you saw, you saw some of those mistakes um, that because he was a freshman, but now he's getting more mature. You can see he's playing against tougher competition. The mixtapes that I've seen that they've put out of him, he was ma he's making moves that I didn't see him make last year um, in any of those district games. I don't know if it was just like school ball or whatever, but some of the moves he's been making have been looking outstanding. And that's why he has um, four offers now from Oklahoma and, and, and IUPUI. And you just see his offers start to grow and grow and grow. And I think he's only going to continue to get better over time. And we have to realize these kids are only sophomores. So uh, that, that, that just blows my mind. And he's only going to get more offers. He, he'll probably have about 30 plus by the time he gets to his senior year, which is, which is kind of crazy and already high division one offers. So he, he's yeah. been doing good this summer. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, they're only sophomores. It's crazy to think that him and his running mate, who we'll get to with Amanda, um, that they're just 15 years old. Like these kids are playing out of their minds in AAU, and I can't wait to see what they can do with Coach Pinchback in year two. So, Amanda, we talked about Caden, or not Caden. Well, I kind of spoiled the surprise, but uh, <laughs> we talked about Malik, but Caden uh, Gums has also been playing really well. And he hasn't gotten as many offers as Malik yet, but I have a feeling they're going to be coming because me and Jude have seen him play this summer and he's just been amazing. But Amanda, yeah. let's hear about it. Um, so just with Caden, I feel like also, you know, he's young as well. You know, we saw last season, he was also kind of making some of those mistakes um, that Malik might have been making as well. They just kind of, you know, they, like Deshaun said, they're very young. Like, it's crazy to think how young they are and how well they are playing now. Um, I do think that Caden will, after like next season in the high school season, he'll probably get more offers rolling in and everything. And maybe even after next summer when he's playing AAU again, um, just kind of, I feel like him, he will be he'll be sought out for after the season and everything so I think he'll definitely like keep up with Malik and everything and they'll definitely be getting lots of offers throughout this school year so I'm excited to see what happens with that and it's definitely excited for this season for basketball with Caden so yeah absolutely um Caden and Malik have a really good chemistry on the court together too and it's cool to see them play on the same AAU team and it's going to be very fun to see them play in San Marcos. Um, well, I guess uh, we could ask about expectations for the basketball season. Uh, I know it's a little early, but uh, we've talked with Coach Pinchback a lot and, um, you know, they've been going through the coronavirus just like every other team has. Um, so just some quick predictions from y'all. What do y'all think uh, is going to come from this season with a new district too? Um, well, it's, it's going to be interesting um, because I know last year Anderson came in second in the district and they moved districts. Uh, I think it's up in the air, honestly. I think anybody could really come in and take this district. Obviously, Wesley again um, 33 and two last season, and they were 16 and 0 in district. And they have a Kansas commit in KJ Adams, who won MVP of the district, who's coming back. So to win it as a junior, I'm sure he only got better and wants to come back and win it again. Um, but in terms of San Marcos, they they have a they have the talent to come in this district and do something special. Um, maybe not win the district, maybe not even come in second, but they definitely will be should be able to compete. And the way that these two players, not only them 
Um, but, but the way that they've been able to play this summer, the rest of the team will follow their lead. And I think that that's something that this team is going to have to look forward to. Um, obviously, you're going to have Bowie. Uh, you're going to have other teams in there. Lake Travis is, wasn't very good last season. I'm pretty sure they were 5-11 and 11 in district. Um, but you're still going to have to face some of those, some of those what I like to call middle-of-the-pack teams. And you're going to have to win those games or at least try to get a split so that way you can come in the top four and, and, and make the playoffs. And the one thing that I need San Marcos to work on, because um, last year we wrote, I wrote a lot of articles on them, their perimeter defense is one thing that's going to have to get better if they want to compete in, in a, at a high level um, for the next three years, as well as their rebounding. And uh, I think that'll only get better as the year, as the year progresses. But I think Coach Pinchback will have them ready to play uh, when the time comes. Yeah, I definitely agree. And like, also their team is so young. Um, they have a lot of young kids on the basketball team. So I think also, you know, they're coming into their second year. There's a lot of freshmen that were starting last year. And they know how pinchback coaches and pinchback knows how they play. Like they've kind of just gotten to know each other even more. I think that'll definitely help a lot. Just having them coming back for their second year. I think just also with Malik and Caden, they're just on fire and they're just going to keep getting better like we said and um pinchback i've just seen him tweeting he's so hyped up for the season and you know we still have a whole semester to go but he is just like on fire and you can just tell off of twitter and just everything that's been going on on twitter and just seeing their basketball team just getting better every day so i'm excited for this season yeah i think awesome. Okay. i'm just gonna say every every team besides westlake had uh five losses in district play. So okay. it's to see all those teams uh, match up against each other during the district is going to be really, really cool. It's going to see, you're going to be able to see who is going to be fighting for that second place, third place spot, especially with Anderson leaving the district. So it's going to, it's going to be cool to see it, uh, what happens with this young team. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a toss up. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, but uh, we're running out of time here for our first segment, but we will be back. After this short commercial break, you're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. And thanks. And be sure to tune in. And make sure to be stay tuned in because uh, Drew King is coming on the show of the San Marcos Daily Record. And we will be talking to him about San Marcos, uh, Texas State football and volleyball, who just announced their schedule changes. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back, guys. And you're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. I'm your host, Gage Sutton, and I'm here with Amanda Geyer, Deshaun Hartley, and our special guest for today, Drew King of the San Marcos Daily Records. Drew, how you doing, man? What's up, y'all? I'm good. How are y'all? It's early. That's what we were talking about. It's just early for me. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm good. I'm Everybody's great. on quarantine time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Drew, before uh, before we get things kicked off, um, you've seen you've been pretty busy on Twitter with all the news, and uh, how is how's everything been since uh, coronavirus kicked in? Honestly, it's it's just been it's been a little bit slower, um, just because you know usually we would we would be doing a lot more in the terms of previews for the football season and the volleyball season coming up right now. Everything's been delayed, so it's a little bit slower. But we've done a pretty good job of finding other stories that are out there. 
um, and especially giving updates with the pandemic. So it's it's been it's still busy. It's just a little bit slower. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the that's been the case for us too. It's kind of hard to um, you know get the exact right content, but uh, as far as I could see, you guys have been doing a great job. Appreciate um, it. So I guess let's get into the uh, the of it. Uh, big news this week from Texas State, and they said that. Uh, the football season will go on and the volleyball season will go on. The schedules were released this week and um, Texas State football even pushed their season up a week. So their uh, home opener with SMU. So it'll be uh, pretty interesting. Drew, what are you hearing about that? Um, so as far as the football game getting moved up, first of all, they had to request special permission, both teams did, from their respective conference. So the Sun Belt and um, the American Athletic Conference both gave the okay for that to happen. Um, also, Denise Trout, the Texas State president, had to make sure it was okay. Um, so she also got it approved. Um, and it's it's really, I think, just to see if they can pull it off in the first place and, and figure out um, – you know, is this something that's viable for a full season? And then they have that bye week now in between the SMU and the UTSA games. Um, and that'll let them, I guess, make more, have more plans for um, their next game, whether um, whether or not that's going to be happening or not. <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess that takes us to Deshaun's question. I know you had yeah. Drew. That, that was my question right off the bat. Like, do you even think that this season is going to be able to last all the way through? I know. Nick, Sorry, y'all. No, you kidding. I know uh, Nick has been doing a good job uh, covering the cases in San Marcos, but that's like not even with any of the students really there. That's like with none of us there. So with all of us there and some of us having in-person classes and some of us not, do you think that we're going to be able to, the city is going to be able to be capable of keeping the Corona cases down and then not transferring it to the football team and canceling the season? They're going to definitely try their best. Um, you know, they, they've got a laundry list of safety guidelines and protocols that they're going to put in place. I know on the media side of things for the football games, um, we're going to have to get our temperatures checked before we enter the building just for practice. We have to wear masks. We have to stay in the stands to watch practice. We have, all have to stay socially distanced. So um, it, it's going to be about as safe as we can be while we're doing our jobs. As far as attending the games, um, there's ways that you can make it safer. Um, I know that they're going to – they're not going to have the full stadium packed, obviously. Um, they're going to make it a – they're only going to allow a fraction of the stadium to be filled, um, and that'll allow everybody to kind of stay spaced out. I'm pretty sure they're going to require masks. They made the switch to digital ticketing so that there's less hand-to-hand -hand contact. Um, so they're going to make it as, as safe as they can be. I don't know whether or not that's going to mean that it's going to be a per it's not going to be an NBA bubble, right? It's not going to be where everybody who comes in isn't going to have the virus, I don't think, but it's going to be um kind of up to you whether or not the risk outweighs the reward of watching football. 
Do you think that eventually, like, um, so, like, right now they're saying, yeah, to fans, like, you know, they're going to do all those protocols. Do you think eventually they'll just, like, cut the fans and it'll just be, like, just them playing and just all the people, the media being there? That's a good question. I I think uh, it's tough because they really need that gate money, obviously. Um, but there might be a point where it gets – really bad to be attending some of these games and they and you're right they might have to shut it down altogether I don't know when that point would be but I I think it has to be in the back of everybody's minds that like at some point it might not be safe to attend games for sure yeah and um we're hearing we saw that the volleyball schedule and they're still looking to play too so uh what can you say about uh, Texas State Volleyball so volleyball, um, you know, their schedule got shortened a lot, right? They got – they played 34 games last season, 34 regular season games. This year they're only playing 19 matches. Um, and I think one of the interesting things was that the Sun Belt shortened their conference slate of games. Um, so Texas State is only going to see – the Sunbelt West teams, which is the two Louisiana schools, the two Arkansas schools, and UTA. Um, and they're going to play a home-and-home home series which, with each of those teams, and that's it. That's all they have. They, it's, it's just 10 games, and they don't see any of the East teams in the Sunbelt. And Sean Hewitt made a good point where he said, you know, they're not going to see any of those teams until um, – playoffs right the the conference tournament and at that point anything can happen so we could see some wild upsets in the Sunbelt volleyball tournament this year I think it's going to be a lot of volatility um, but as far as the non-conference games I think they did a really good job of making it still really competitive but also keeping it in state to where they don't have to fly out to um, other schools it's it's pretty much all the big schools in Texas, right? It's Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, SMU, Rice, some really big powerhouses in volleyball, but still um, in a close distance. So I think they did a good job with their schedule. Uh, Obviously, Coach Hewitt is coming into his first season. Um, I'm not sure how the offseason is looking for them. Have they been, uh, like, working together throughout the offseason? Are they uh, getting ready to start playing these games already or have they not really been able to be with each other um, throughout all this? So I talked to Emily DeWalt last week for a story I'm working on. Um, and one of the things she told me was, um, first of all, they're still in voluntary workouts. They haven't started their um, training camp yet, but they have been doing these voluntary workouts. Um, and she said one of the weirder things is they, they're having to pretty much go full speed with the mask on, which is something that nobody's really used to yet. Um, but uh, she said it was really good for everybody to get back in the gym because um, a lot of these girls don't have um, any place they can really work out where they're from, right? They don't have any equipment, any weights or anything. So um you might not see them in the best of shape to start the season, but at the same time, everybody's going to be in the same boat, right? Everybody's going to have a late start to training camp. So um, 
it's going to be maybe a slow start for everybody in volleyball. But I think being at voluntary workouts for as long as they have, they'll be in a good place. You know when they're going to make them kind of like mandatory, not mandatory workouts, but like training camp. They haven't announced a specific date yet. And especially with the start of the season kind of pushed, it might be later than usual. Mm -hmm. Okay, so <laughs> Drew, uh, we just got done talking about volleyball, but let's, uh, let's go back to bat, or I guess football and volleyball are both in a similar situation. New coach, um, obviously, uh, Sean Hewitt is a first year head coach, and uh, Coach Spavadol is in his second season, but two relatively new new faces to the Texas State uh, athletics programs. Um, what are we expecting from these two teams? Or let's start with football. Uh, what are you expecting from this team in this odd season? Yeah, um, this is going to be, like you said, it's, it's an odd season. Um, I think they did a relatively good job recruiting-wise because they lost so many seniors this past offseason. And you can't replace them all with freshmen and expect to – be just as good. So they did a good job of, of finding a bunch of junior college transfers. And um, I think they can at least uphold their three and nine season from last year. If the offense takes any kind of a step forward, I think you could see an improvement in the win margin because the defense I think is going to be relatively still strong. Um, so I'm expecting a lot of improvement year two from Jake Spavadol. Um, for the volleyball team, I think it's business as usual. They have a lot of the same players. Um, they only lost four seniors, and they still have the setter of the year in Emily DeWalt, and she, she's going to do a great job of, of setting all of their um, outside hitters and middle blockers at the front line up. So I think for them, they're still going to be a contender to win the Sun Belt Championship and, and possibly make an NCAA title bird, or tournament bird. <laughs> so for volleyball, we know that they already won back-to-back -back conference titles, and we already know what their expectations are. Um, for football, what would be kind of – I'm not going to say, like, what would be their expectations, but what would kind of be, like, a good season for them um, to have in Spavadol second season with all of these transfers? Like, where do you see them falling – and, uh, like, how good of a season do you think that they're trying to look to have? I think the first step towards building a, a really good program in the Sun Belt right now would be to make a bowl game, right? But that's if everything goes perfectly um, and and they just surprise a lot of people. I think a Sun Belt is, is obviously what you're shooting for right now. But realistically, I think – Texas State fans should just be happy with seeing any kind of improvement in terms of wins, right? Even if you don't get to the six or the seven wins that you need to make a bowl game, if you make it to four wins or five wins, that's a, a pretty big accomplishment, especially for a new head coach who just took over the program. Do you think that, like, moving – so, you know, their game got moved up 
Um, do you think having that bye week, because, you know, they're playing UCSA the next week, that's obviously the I-35 rival game. Do you think that will help them with preparing for that game and possibly coming out with a win against that game? Because, you know, that's the biggest game really of the year ever. So. I think it – yeah, I think it will help having that uh, bye week between games. Um, and, and the UTSA game, the last time they played was a really, really close game. That was Tyler Vitt's kind of coming out party in that game. Um, so I think they definitely have a chance to win that UTSA game, and I think the bye week will help for sure. Yeah, and I need Texas State to win that game because all of my friends go to UTSA, so I need some bragging rights. And hey, at home too, so. I feel that. I live in San Antonio, so I, I want Texas State to win. <laughs> Me too. Well, speaking of San Antonio, we're going to shift the gears to uh, the NBA. Oh, thank God. My San Antonio Spurs, who have won. Those Sixers. Okay, they lost against the Sixers, but <laughs> we're talking about the NBA as a whole. Hold on, wait, did y'all even watch the Sixers game? I did. We did. The they were, the Spurs were so close to winning. Yeah, not shame. They left shame. That's open. all that matters. But anyways, guys, for the NBA, um, we, we had some pretty big upsets this week, including the Bucks losing to a glorified G team in the lead, in the Mets. <laughs> and the Clippers got upset by Devin Booker and the Suns, uh, who had a game winner. It was awesome. Laid on the floor, the whole meme and everything. It's going awesome. Have y'all seen any other upsets that have been pretty crazy to y'all? Um, the Rockets have been kind of impressive in these first couple games. They beat the Mavs in their opener in the bubble, and then they went and beat the Bucks. Um, they lost to Portland last night, but the Rockets have kind of impressed me how how in sync they are, despite the long break from when the regular season got shut down. Yeah, the Rockets do look like they're in sync. Obviously, TJ Warren, I call him the MVP bubble right now. This man is on a mission. I don't know what he took, what he's – you know, I'm not even going to say what he's took. I don't even want to accuse him of nothing. But I don't know what he did. But ever since he got into the bubble, like, I, I don't know, Jimmy Butler must have said something to them while they were playing ping pong or something, and he probably just made them mad. And so TJ Warren is just going off on everybody. And so anyone that plays against the Pacers right now, I kind of feel scared for. But the Suns do play the Pacers, I think, either today or tomorrow. And the Suns are 3-0. and So I do think that that's going to be actually be a matchup to look forward to. And who would have ever thought I would say Suns versus Pacers is a matchup to look forward to. <laughs> but uh, you never know, especially with the way Devin Booker is playing and the way that T.J. Warren obviously is playing right now. He's playing out of his mind. They need to drug test T.J. Warren. But. <laughs> After Bol Bol got drug tested, they need to drug test T.J. Warren. Amanda, I know you're a Sixers fan, but you, you got to say something about the Spurs, right? They were they were very close to upsetting your team. Okay, it was – okay, I, I'm a Sixers fan. I just have to, you know, stay true to my teams. But um, they definitely were very close. I will give you that. I was – very nervous at the end, not going to lie. They, you know, they had a two-point lead. Yeah, two points, right? It was two points. Uh, it was like the last five or six seconds, um, and then they didn't win. So, um, but it was very nerve-wracking. Um, but I, we came out with the wins. So that's all that matters. But they were close. It was a good game, though. Like, it was neck and neck, like, the whole entire time. 
Um, so it definitely was a good game to watch just because it was so close the whole time. It just definitely kept me on the edge of my seat. So it was a good game overall. Absolutely. And, um, well, I, the Spurs are actually one of the teams that I wanted to talk about because uh, the race for the eighth seed is going to be pretty fun in the Western Conference. we got a lot of teams who uh, have come out really strong, including the Spurs. But uh, let's get some predictions. Uh, Drew, what do you think? Who, who do you think is going to run away with the eighth seed in the West? Ooh, okay. Let me – I got the standings right here. So right <laughs> now the Spurs are only a half game behind Portland. Oh wow! So did for they, the ninth seed. Ninth seed, okay. Um, so you, you know, I had Jude on my podcast, or no, I went on Jude's podcast a little while ago, and we talked about the Spurs uh, before all of this started. And I, I said on there, the Spurs had to rack up a bunch of wins together to get this ninth seed, and so far they've been doing that. And I really like kind of the lineups that Pop is trying out. Um, he's playing DeMar DeRozan heavy minutes at the power forward spot, which is not something I would have expected this season, but it's, it's been working so far because it opened, it opens up a spot for one of the younger guards to play. So Lonnie Walker has been starting and that kind of spreads the floor a little bit more. Um, so I think the Spurs can keep this up. I don't love the rest of their schedule, but I kind of like them to take the number nine seed right now. I, I don't see um, anybody else kind of being able to keep up with them right now. Yeah. Portland um, definitely is one of those teams that you have to look out for. And and I will say, even though I am a, a admin uh, against the Spurs, I am one of the people that you, I, you rarely hear me say anything about the Spurs, not because it's the Spurs, but because of the fans. I just can't stand y'all. Um, but uh, yeah, but um, I, I do think the Spurs have surprised a lot of people. Like a lot of people didn't think that the Spurs had a chance, especially with LA going out. But I think that luck is is in your favor right now because Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, just went out from Memphis, and they're in the eighth spot, so they could drop. They could drop as far down as ten, eleven, and the way the Pelicans are playing, I don't see them doing anything in the bubble. So I think Portland and the Spurs might be battling it out for eight and nine, and then obviously you have to have a play in uh, between the eight and nine because it's it's going to come down between four games. Like it, it's going to be a four game race, or it has to be within four of the eight and nine for them to do a play in. So I do think if Portland and the Spurs match up, that's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see what happens. But the thing is, even if the Spurs do get the AC, DeMar DeRozan's kryptonite is LeBron James. So I'm not really worried about it at all. I, I expect a sweep in the first round. So if the Spurs make the playoffs, cool. That, that's even better for me. I just get to laugh that y'all got swept. That's even better for me. Uh, it'll be a gentleman's sweep. It'll be 4-1. We get to laugh because our playoff streak gets to – Keep going. Yes, that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. It's the I respect it. I respect Amanda, it. And do you have any uh, storylines in the NBA that uh, interested you before we get ready to close this out? Uh, I think my most interesting one was the Lakers just being the number one seed, like the first time in a while. Um, that was pretty awesome just seeing that. Last time they were the number one seed, they won. So that's pretty – We'll see what happens. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome, though, if they won. Just, you know, with everything that happened this year. So, yeah. yeah. I think that was super cool. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know what a drought looks like. <laughs> Dude, no, come I, on, bro. Had Robert, we had Robert Sacre as our best player. No, let me stop. We had Jeremy Lin as our best player. You don't understand. It hurt. It hurt, man. It feels so good to be back. It feels so good. Yeah. Um, well, with that being said, um, yeah, I think uh, just a quick little prediction before we get ready to close this out. I do think the Lakers are have the best chance to take it all. They have the one seed in the West. They have two if, of the top five best players in the league, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, it's going to be tough to beat them, uh, regardless of who they face in the West. And if it ends up being the Bucks in the East, like I predicted, um, I, I think it's going to be tough to beat that Lakers team. Um, but with all that being said, we're running out of time. And I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to – uh, Drew, uh, for coming on the show. Thanks for, uh, you know, coming on, coming on and talking Texas State and NBA with us. And uh, to my co-hosts, Amanda and Deshaun, you guys, uh, you guys are awesome. Um, so with that being said, make sure that you guys follow at KTSW Sports on Twitter, on Instagram. Make sure you follow our YouTube, KTSW Sports. And uh, that about does it for Bobcat Radio. Uh, now let's get you back to the other side of radio on KTSW 89.9.